0: Welcome to the Global Business Insights Podcast, brought to you by PSL. I'm your host, Max Kent, and I'll be joined by my co host, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant. In Series 2, Beyond Business, we delve into the captivating journeys of the world's most exceptional business leaders, entrepreneurs, and professionals. Our mission is not only to ignite inspiration and knowledge for the next generation, Also, to illuminate the path for those currently navigating challenges. Join us as we uncover the remarkable stories that transcend traditional business narratives and offer a beacon of hope and guidance.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Global Business Insight podcast on personal journeys. Today, I'm thrilled we have a very dear friend joining us today, Susan Welsh, and she's going to share with us her remarkable journey as an extraordinary business leader. And uh, of course, my partner in crime, Max, is here with us today. Susan, why don't we start by a very quick introduction? I know we had you on the podcast earlier before, but just for our new listeners. I know. Can you believe
2: it? There's people who don't know who I am yet. (laughs) I'm just just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Hi everyone. I'm Susan Walsh, classification guru, fixer of dirty data. I've had my business for six years now. The classification guru. We classify and clean mainly procurement data, but also marketing data, finance data, anything, uh, manufacturing data. Yeah, we kind of do it all now, really. Fantastic. And Susan, so. That being said, you've
1: had a remarkable journey in the world of data classification and and cleansing. And I saw it myself. We were together in Vegas. You showed me your program. We went through it. We cleaned some dirty data together. Um, Maybe you can share a pivotal moment or experience that very much inspired you to start the classification guru, LTD, and pursue a career in data management.
2: Yeah, so you might, uh, people listening might not know this, but this is my second business. I had a business before this that was uh, a women's clothes shop in Guildford. That did not work out. I went bank, well, I had to go bankrupt, but I couldn't afford to go bankrupt. It. Um, I had to save up for six months to pay the, the amount of money. Um, and so I needed a job quickly. And I found an ad online to go and work for a spend analytics company, Um, classifying spend data and that's how it all started I had never done it before and um, found I was really good at it really enjoyed it and, and ended up spending five years there and then when it came to I wasn't enjoying it anymore but more I still loved what I was doing I just wanted to move on I didn't know where I could get a job doing the same thing because I hadn't come from procurement or data. Um, I, I was not a data analyst. I don't code. I didn't know where I could get a job doing this. And so really, for me, the only option to continue doing it was to start my own business up. And so that's how it began.
0: I think it's an amazing journey and it's been so amazing to see how you've grown through this. And um, it's something I've been involved in for years as well in terms of the procurement side of this. And um, that data quality, that's just such a massive concern for so many businesses. Um, What sort of common challenges have you encountered in that journey? And how do you address them to bring clarity and accuracy to data, do you think?
2: The biggest challenge is getting budget to pay to clean the data that is the hugest biggest problem and it's uh, the people i'm speaking to desperately need our services but getting senior management and the budget holders to actually invest in that is really challenging and unfortunately the only way that that normally happens is once there's a real problem and suddenly this ma- money magically appears out of nowhere to fix the problem um I'm pushing for people to try and take a preventative approach rather than, you know, curing the problem after it's happened. But it's really tough. That's um, that's the biggest problem. But the people that I do work with who have invested... Um, it's about asking them, right, let's not just talk about what you the immediate problem you want to fix. Let's talk about your long-term goals. What do you want to get out of your data in six months, 12 months time? Let's build that in now. Like if we're building a taxonomy for them, exact, for example, they might say, Oh, well, we don't have enough detail in our invoice line description right now, but we, we're about to start. So we might build in a more detailed taxonomy that they can't use right now but they were able to use in six months. So it's getting them to think about more than just the immediate problem. Absolutely. Um, I
1: completely resonate with your answer, but maybe you could also describe a particular challenging project or client situation that you faced, how you successfully navigated through it um, and what lessons did you actually learn from that experience?
2: I think that A challenging project was definitely where the client went through every single line of data that we classified. And I mean, they checked, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of rows here, tens of thousands of rows. They went through and checked everything. And it stood up to the test, apart from some minor things where we had classified it as travel, but maybe not to rail or hotel level, just to travel, and so that was really the only feedback. And I think what what I learned from that was, A, I have a great team because they did an amazing job that it could stand up to that kind of scrutiny. And, and secondly, that, you know, there are some people that, you know, you just can't, like, please, you know, they'll always find something. Because I have other clients who wouldn't even look at that. They would, they wouldn't even see that as an issue, you know. Um, and and taking, not taking it personally is a big thing as well. That's the biggest thing, you know. It's not, it's not a personal thing. That is just someone. And I, you know, I used to be like that. I was that person. I've had to learn to. Let my tolerance of acceptance of things, you know, um, I used to always go for 100% accuracy, but actually the client would be happy with honestly 70 or 80%. We're going for like 95, you know, it's not even like it was in the wrong category. It was in the right category. It just wasn't detailed enough, you know, can't get hung up on that kind of stuff because that's a one in 100 million people that will actually flag that up. You know, we've 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 made much bigger mistakes in in other uh, data sets that clients have never picked up on, but we have and we fixed it. You know, so you just you know you never know.
0: I think that's an amazing lesson in customer management, though. You just don't know who you're going to end up working with, and you just. Uh, when you start a business you obviously want to work with customers that's how the whole point of it but you don't know which ones are gonna pick you out to work with you and you don't know what challenge you're gonna face
2: i have to say linkedin has been a great filter of that and a lot of people who are of like similar personality are drawn towards me in the business and and people yeah. who are not into that kind of stuff are, are, are kind of moved back away from it and that's been yeah. really good yeah, I completely resonate with that, especially yeah.
1: it it LinkedIn being that filter because yeah people who get in touch with you automatically want to, but I've also learned when uh, during my experience uh, at Amazon last year being in that sales function, in a way to not immediately react or reply and just actually wait for twenty four oh, hours yes. sometimes, oh, yeah, and then so... and then just and then you can respond because you would you will respond in is... a different manner
2: really good yeah I had to do a lot of that yeah because I'm that person that will just go woof back you know and then then you discover you haven't read the email properly and then you look like a fool and yeah
0: I think we've all, all been there. So I think that's a great lesson for anyone listening to this to to heed um, as they're hearing your 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 words of wisdom there. Um, moving on to the book you wrote, "Between the Spreadsheets: uh, yeah. Classifying and Fixing Dirty Data," great title. Um, that offers a comprehensive approach to data cleansing, which I think anyone involved in procurement, P2P, AP, all of those areas where data involved should read, probably a yeah. must read for anyone in the industry, I think, these days. Oh, um, what motivated you to write the book in the first place? And is there any sort of key takeaways uh, readers can expect if they read it?
2: Yeah. Um, so first of all, I am not a book reader myself. You know, when I was like, Eight years old, my dad would look after us at the weekend when my mum was working and he'd take me and my brother to the library and my brother would come out with arms full of books and I'd be like, I'm not reading anything. I just, I've just i never been a reader, so I, I never had an ambition to write a book. But what I found and still find is that there is very limited resources on how to classify your spend data, how to normalise your suppliers how to build a taxonomy. So I cover all those things off in the book Um, and also kind of business justifications of why you need to do it as well, the importance of of doing that for the business. Um, And then also sharing like, you know, data horror stories that have happened and how to fix those. And then finally, my COAT methodology or framework. So making sure your data is consistent, organised, accurate and trustworthy, which is a kind of fun way to get pe- everyone on board with keeping their data clean.
1: Fantastic, Susan. And just continuing from that, um, you've been involved in, in various involve uh, in, in various roles, including being a founder, managing director, an author, a speaker. We've been together on stage. And um, how have these different roles very much contributed to your
2: experience in, in data classification and content creation, especially? Well, I think my my passion for cleaning and classifying dating, uh, data drives all of that. And, you know, I could probably be quite comfortable and make more money just going around the speaker circuit and, and doing that. But... Uh, the reason I enjoy doing the speaking is because I know it's growing and driving my business. If I was just doing it as a living, I think, and I'll, I'd get really bored. And then also because I wouldn't be practising anymore, I wouldn't have any new content to talk about. So I feel like because I'm actually still practising and doing it, I can talk about new stuff all the time. Um. So I think my love for that and and and. Being determined to keep the business alive and going is is drives everything that I do: podcasts, speaking, events, all of that stuff.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree with you. Where it's it's lovely to be out on the circuit, isn't it? But yeah. there's that whole practicing of of the the art form that you actually do in your industry. That's that's what we love doing, isn't it? It's yeah, so I like love coming back to that as well
2: you know we're working on we've just delivered a project this week to one client that you know we've been working with them over a year now I think doing like different projects for their their sites and the difference that we are bringing to how their whole business will operate is hugely rewarding you know um that's the bit that brings me satisfaction
0: Absolutely. Is, is there any sort of insight? I've worked with you on projects in, in various roles. Yeah. It's, been ama- googly it's been amazing. Giggly eyes.
2: Google, that's all I remember. And, yeah, the giggly eyes. The googly <laughs> eyes. What was I going to classify those as?
0: Yeah, it, absolutely. And it's been amazing to see how you work, your, your sort of methodology. Is there any sort of insights into those methods and techniques that you and the team use that you could share here? Of
2: course. It's here. All
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so the people should be read the book. Really, is what uh,
2: saying. yeah. I mean, you know, I can give you little, little bits and bobs, but like you know, I have literally put my whole thing. You know, I'm trying to put myself out of business, and um, the resources are there. The problem is people just don't have time to do it themselves, or they know that we can do it quicker and probably more accurately. Um, you know, it's keeping the data quote on. If you're working with a team, you have to have consistency across the team. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, It's, um, you know, having like for each client, different clients will have different categorizations for the same supplier. So each project we have a sheet with what should be classified as what, you know, so kind of creating those rules, standards, processes, having documentation, um, planning it out before, don't just start planning out what you're going to do, how you're going to approach this, you know. Um, think about that and um, and have some fun, make it, try and make it fun. Absolutely.
1: Um, Susan, another question, Data Collaboration Alliance, uh, where you serve on the advisory committee, it focuses very much on meaningful data ownership and collaboration intelligence. How yeah. does this align with your vision for data management and what initiatives have you been part of in that regard?
2: Um, yeah, it's great to be to be part of. I haven't done an awful lot with them, but it aligns with me because it's all about getting people to take ownership of data and responsibility for it. Um, and that's across the organisation. Again, it comes aligns very much with the data quote, you know, getting everybody working the same way, doing the same things. and and it's it's an, just it's nice to be part of another community as well, you know, with like-minded people.
0: So, staying ahead and staying motivated and focused in that sort of data intensive field can probably be quite challenging, I imagine. Um what sort of strategies and practices do you personally use to maintain that passion for data classification and cleaning?
2: We are really lucky because every project is different so even if we're doing the worst project in the world it's going to end in a month or two max you know and then we're on to the next thing and it's a new problem to solve so everything each product is a new challenge a new problem to solve and um, we can take aspects of previous projects but I mean that that is really what what keeps it exciting is and you know always having new problems to solve for you know for clients we're working we're cleaning up material master data um for a company right now and it's all MRO parts and we're pulling in information from you know, we're cleaning up their master file, but we're pulling information from all these other different files. And then we're having to enrich the data and then Google parts. And, you know, it's, you know, figuring out how to make that all work is the fun bit.
1: So Susan, looking ahead, what trends or developments do you foresee in the field of data management? And how should businesses prepare to leverage these opportunities for better decision making and, and cost savings?
2: Well, it has to be Gen AI, doesn't it? Everyone's talking about that. And I think um, you know, I, I did a, a talk at Big Data London just the other week called Check Before Tech, because ultimately at the end of the day, even Gen AI, Chat GPT, BARD, all those different tools, they all learn from training data sets. And those training data sets have to be clean. And how are you going to get those clean? It's going to be people. And so regardless of which, whatever tech comes around the corner, it's still going to be about having clean, accurate data at the base as the foundation of all of these. And and I will just continue to shout from the rooftops the importance of this until more people start to listen. But, you know, in the meantime, it keeps me in work and out of trouble. So, you know, it's all good. Fantastic. Susan, thank you so much for your time
1: today. My it pleasure. Was, Always it's great a to delight. chat to you both. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Susan. And yeah, look forward to having you on again on the next time.
2: Great. Thanks very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on this enlightening episode of the Global Business Insights Podcast. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and valuable insights that will continue to guide and uplift you on your journey.